0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan
1: Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon.
0: The Michigan football team remained undefeated with a very impressive road victory over Wisconsin. It was a dominant performance that changes the outlook for the season. How much so? We discuss on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, going to be with you here uh, on a on a Sunday night as we're recording. People can listen or watch this episode Monday morning. Yeah, for those who, who thought, you know, I wouldn't just like to listen. I'd like to watch watch them talk about this as well. This episode is for you. All right, guys, let's get into Michigan's win over Wisconsin. I'll keep this brief before I throw it to you. I knew that the Wisconsin crowd was bad. I got that inside info, okay, before this game. The 20-year streak that I was, you know, pumping up, it's not like it was 20 wins in a row. It wasn't even 10. It was five, five wins in a row at Camp Randall. Okay. And Wisconsin's quarterback play. I said was very sketchy coming in yet. I still pick Wisconsin. You guys both did as well. Any regret over your prediction? Cause I'm having some
1: regret. No, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be like a, a close game of the way. Like, and I think I said this either on the podcast with Ryan the other day or with another interview, but like, like if the game was in Ann Arbor, I probably would have picked Michigan to win by a point or two. I sure. I thought it was going to be a close game of the way.
2: It was that second half against Rutgers, man. It, it made me shy away from, from picking Michigan and, and the part of the Notre Dame Wisconsin game that I watched, yeah. Wisconsin didn't look too bad, especially on defense. Their defense looked really good. And I just didn't think Michigan would be able to consistently move the ball. I did not foresee Michigan having such a dominant performance defensively either. Like their pass rush was insane. Their Wisconsin's offensive line got demolished throughout the game, just absolutely worked. And I just did not see that coming. And here we are 38-17 game later, and Michigan's five and zero, and the season's basically over. And when I say regret,
0: you know, Aaron, just to be clear, it's about we had a good thing going, you know, picking all the games correct so far, the scores we were we were okay for the most part. And then and then we get one wrong here. That's all, that's all I mean. We could have, we could have kept it rolling.
1: Hey, we're good. we're gonna get some wrong. It's, there's no you know. fair
2: enough. I'm just mad that we all had like the same exact stores too. <laughs> right? right, right. That's, what, that's what I regret is picking the same exact stores as you guys. Like I, I maybe we should not just have them completely blind going in and and maybe uh, listen. I say to the listeners, listen
0: to the analysis, not to the final prediction, because in the end, that that you can't count on. But you know, everything we said, you know, I'd say to a certain extent came true. Now, okay, the game itself man, Michigan jumped out early with a nice trick play, you know, a little toss back to Cade McNamara, who, you know, then finds a receiver wide open in the end zone. Yeah, I just thought, you know, Michigan's play calling, and Zouk, I know you might disagree, but, you know, I thought it was, like, rightfully aggressive for the most part.
1: It almost seemed like they have been building up to this game. You know, we talked about it in previous weeks, whether, like, this is all they had. Could they throw the ball more? Was there more, you know, in the playbook to kind of, you know, unveil? and they they confirmed as much well Saturday. I mean, you saw a lot a lot more aggressive play calling. You mentioned the flea flicker. They did some other things the passing game. They're starting to open it up and you know, and I think it was a very telling comment after the game by quarterback Cade McNamara when he said, you know, we we decided to get more aggressive and like he basically said like this is there's no reason why we shouldn't be like this. Go like playing like this going forward. Um, you know, they've been working on this stuff all season. You know, I I think it was partly a coaching decision to run the football predominantly in those first three, three and a half games, but they also realize now they're going to have to throw the ball, you know, the knock against Wisconsin's defense, Michigan only rushed for 112 yards on Saturday, you -hmm. know, and they ran the ball quite a bit, or they tried to, didn't have a ton of success. Again, it was like three yards per carry, just like Rutgers the week before. So it just goes to show Michigan for Michigan to win these big games and they continue winning. They're going to have to throw the ball. And they did so with with pretty good success on Saturday.
2: No, yeah, 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 they did, and I thought they ran the ball better than I expected them to. I mean, I like no team had fifty yards rushing against Wisconsin at all this season, so for Michigan to get over hundred is, is it'll, it'll at least kept Wisconsin's defense honest a little bit yeah, to they open up a little it. bit more. Yes, yeah, I thought Cage struggled a little bit early, but I mean, both passes to Cornelius Johnson were right on the money. I think that was the only two. Good parts of Cornelius Johnson's game, but, but Roman Wilson is, I mean, Michigan finally needed or has needed someone to step up at receiver. And it looks like maybe they found their guy. I was really impressed with him and looks like he might be the the number two guy here moving forward. If Saturday's performance was any indication. Let's go
0: back to Cade first, if, if we can, because again, you know, reading your stock up stock down, I get to, you know, you tip your hand a little bit on how you feel about the game. So I, I get to see it. And I mean, I thought McNamara was good. Like early, Some of the throws were behind the receivers, but there were some drops, too. Those were like balls that could have been caught. And then also receivers not doing him any favors with these routes. I mean, third and six, you got to run a six six or seven yard route, not a five yard route. So I think there was some of that. I mean, he hung in there. He took some hits, you know, delivered the ball downfield like I thought he did well. I mean, he did better as the game went on, I thought, too. But yeah, I, I thought I thought he he did well.
2: The problem with that too is I have to start writing that in the first half and I didn't think he played well. And then it's like second half, it's like you I'm scrambling well enough, to get yeah. it up. I'm like, so, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those flash reactions type of things. And I mean, he, he did, he did okay. I was just looking at his PFF grade though. I didn't think he was like the second best player on offense overall, but yeah, I, it was, it was a good enough performance and he, he showed enough that the Michigan can win a game with him behind center.
1: Kate, I don't think, from an arm strength perspective, I don't think he's good enough to necessarily win you a football game. Yes, he won him last year against Rutgers, and I think that was a little different scenario, different situation. But, like, I think he's played well enough to where Michigan, it puts Michigan's offense in a good position to not only score, remove the football, and I think at this point that's all you can ask for from him. You know, Michigan's had had enough of a potent rushing attack. The receivers are starting to step up and develop, and I think that's the key to Michigan's passing game. And we've talked about the last couple weeks developing these guys, getting some of these guys comfortable and in rhythm. And you're starting to see it. I mean, obviously, Cornelius is the guy we've talked about quite a bit. Roman, you just guys mentioned. They're trying to get Dalen Baldwin more involved. He saw that in the first pass, the the first play of the game on Saturday. And then Dalen had that 56-yard uh, touchdown catch from, from J.J. McCarthy. But they're trying other guys, and, and they have no choice. They have to get more guys involved. They have to get more production from some of these these other group of receivers. Now I think they really need to get Mike Sanders still going. He, he has He's had a couple of catches the last couple of games. He needs to be their next guy because if Michigan can have – three or four weapons on the outside, it just makes her passing game, you know, that much more, uh, that much more effective.
0: Yeah. I mean, Roman Wilson coming out party. I mean, he had how many catches in this game? Six, seven, eight, something like that. Uh, six, like that. six. Okay. Uh, most targets, you know, in, in, on the team, he had three or four catches coming in, I think. And at least one of those was on one of those little, you know, basketball chess passes. So that's really basically a run. So, you know, out, outdoing his production just in one game um, and some tough catches too. So yeah, you're starting to see, you know, the candidates to to possibly step up. I referenced the the play calling and and are, are we under the assumption that like Harbaugh as the head coach decides whether to go for it on fourth down and then you know whoever the play caller is, Josh Gaddis, as far as we know, still then calls the play. But it's but it's Harbaugh's decision whether we're gonna punt now or or, or go for it.
1: Is that? That's a good question, but I get the I get the impression it's it's exactly that. You know, Jim is kind of setting the tone and he mentioned about he mentioned it quite a bit Saturday after the game that you know, walking into Camp Randall Stadium Saturday morning and there in Madison, he just felt this vibe from this team that they're they were hungry and eager to win. And I think in a way that kind of helped set them set the tone for the play calling early on. You saw him go for it on fourth down, was it two or three times in that first drive alone? Mm-hmm it was clear to me that they wanted to be aggressive in nature. And I think it's kind of a top-down philosophy, whereas Jim is setting the tone, but he's at the same time, you know, deliating the uh, the play calling to Josh Gass, because there's been no indication from anyone else that the play calling is not coming from Josh Gass. This Mm -hmm. is Josh's, this is Josh's book and his game. And so far, I think, you know, it's a different offense from what we've seen in the years past, obviously. But I think from their schedule perspective, in, in terms of them like slowly kind of unraveling some of these uh, some of these plays and these the play calling the plan, I think they've done a pretty good job here through five games.
2: Speaking of play calling, I, I think Michigan's defense won them the game on that first drive after Michigan went for it on fourth fourth down, ran a predictable play on the read option, giving it off to Hassan Hastings right up the middle. Get stopped there. Wisconsin stores on that, that possession, you're down on the road, you lose all the momentum right away. And, and Wisconsin's feeling it. I think that game, that could have changed the game tremendously, but I mean, a huge stop by Michigan's defense and they built, continued that momentum through the first until the last drive of the first half. And that Graham made three nice passes that did him in the end zone. But yeah, that, I mean, that was even after they made it onto the first fourth down there. I'm like, whoa, that's risky. That's that's risky, but good job on Michigan's defense to, to come up. But I still didn't, didn't like that call to go for it again, or at least the play call on that fourth down.
1: On that topic, you know, before the game even started, Wisconsin won the coin toss and elected to defer to the second half. And I thought it was surprising just because Michigan has shown, I mean, before Saturday, they obviously we all know they, they had never, never trailed. They had always scored first. And, like, why would you give the ball to Michigan to start? And, obviously, Michigan didn't score on that first drive, but it, it gave them an opportunity to kind of get, get, you know, the lay of the land and get their bearings there in the stadium. I was surprised by that and analytics, pick- man, analytics. And most, yeah. Most teams yeah, defer, I, but I, I hear what
2: you're saying as far
0: as the rationale for not doing it in this game, but yeah. Okay. Ryan mentioned the defense for how many minutes into this podcast and we haven't really gone into it yet. We need to the defensive line. I mean, all three levels, but the defensive line just put so much pressure on the quarterback all day. I mean, they knocked out a quarterback, which is never, <laughs> never the goal from like a, you know, sportsmanship standpoint, but, it was as clean a hit as you could possibly have on a quarterback, you know, from, from Daxton Hill there, you know, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, one, there's no one player in the in the Big Ten that's proven they can, they can block him yet. And even too often, you know, they have to hold or, or, you know, they still don't prevent him from getting through just so much, so much pressure on the quarterback they made when Wisconsin did complete passes. It was just tip your cap or what a throw, what a catch type plays. I mean, that, that drive at the end of the half, sure. The short field was set up by, by the questionable squib kick, but. The two passes that, that were completed to from Mertz to DK were were just dimes um, and, and great catches. So yeah, wow, Michigan's defense was stellar
1: on Saturday. Yeah, on that note, I mean, first off, I think it's Aiden has really benefited from from his different positioning this year. I think not being set on the line and being kind of you know upright has opened things up and given him more flexibility and his abilities. And I think that's that's opened up other things for, for the rest of the defense because teams obviously have to hone in on him, but you're you're getting production from the other side of the field, whether it's a Jabo or, or whoever else is out on that. Jalen Harrell has been playing quite a bit. You're getting production that other side. And I think it's almost like Michigan's in a really good situation right now where you're getting production from several people. You got a blend of new guys playing for the first time or getting their feet underneath and feet wet, and they're and they're you know succeeding. So I think Michigan's in a very best case scenario right now from the from the defense. I've been very impressed with how how quickly they've kind of adapted, and I think the big thing here is it's not predictable. You know, we talked about this in the past with Don Brown years past, but like Paul Christ obviously didn't know exactly how to game plan this thing. And you saw that on Saturday. Michigan was throwing all kinds of different things at Wisconsin's offensive line. Graham Murch looked a little hesitant at times. He's getting hit all the time, and that certainly doesn't help. It was by far, I thought, Michigan's best defensive performance so far.
2: Teams still have no idea how to game plan for Daxton Hill. It is insane how how they still can't get a read on on what he's doing on any given play. It it is really remarkable to watch. I mean,
1: it's hard (laughs) to. I mean, when when you're like lining up the line or dropping back or, you know, you know, blitzing the quarterback, it's hard to game plan for someone like him because he's not a big guy. So you don't necessarily want to throw a big lineman at him, but like he's quick enough to like, he can kind of get go wherever he wants or get wherever he wants to. And that's what makes him, I think, so so valuable here. They're, I think they have unleashed a new part of, of Daxon Hill's game that I think some of us had been expecting to see in years past because Don Brown had always talked about how, how well of a corner cover DB Dax was. We saw it at times, but he was still locked in that like that typical safety spot. They didn't, they didn't throw them around, you know, put them around the field as, as long as much as they probably should have. You're seeing that with Clink Scale and McDonald, and it's paying dividends. We talked about
0: before the season, you know, Michigan, where are the all big 10 type players? They're going to elevate this team to exceed expectations. You said there was Aiden Hutchinson, and, and who else really was there? Now, not that we ignored Dax Hill, for example. We knew what kind of a talent he was, but still the production wasn't necessarily there. Now, as 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 friend of the pod, Joel Clatt pointed out on the broadcast, like they've got one at every level. They've got Aiden Hutchinson. They've got Josh Ross playing at that level, and they've got Dax Hill on the back end. It's like, and these other players are not are not bums out there. Like they're, you know, Nakai Hill Green. I thought played well. David Ajabo, as I mentioned earlier, playing well. You know, their corners are continuing to improve and play with more confidence. So yeah, they've been, they've just they've just been really impressive. And yeah, Aaron, you're exactly right. How it's all uh, mesh with this new staff. I mean five games in, you know, an A plus for Jim Harbaugh's offseason hires.
1: I said this in the offseason and Jim was asked about it Saturday after the game, well how how well Michigan is doing at maximizing its talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I said in the offseason, I said they need to accentuate their positives. What are their positives? Well you've got a edge rusher to Aiden Hutchinson who can, who can get to the quarterback and, and apply pressure. You've got experience at linebacker with Josh Ross and you've got playmakers in the secondary with, with Dax Hill and Brad Hawkins. So you need to find ways to get them to the football and to, to make a play. You kind of hide the rest or do other things to, to protect your younger, more, less experienced, less talented players and Michigan's doing that and, and they're succeeding. And so far they're five and zero. now that's not to say they're not going to have road and you know, there's not going to be bumps in the road here in the next couple of weeks with whether it's Penn state, Michigan state, whatever. But they they're making the most of what they have uh, defensively, and if you know, if we would ask this la- like this time last year, we all would have said, "Well, their defense just isn't very good." So well, I think that just goes to show how drastically things can change and change for the better in twelve months with just like a, a simple scheme change or, or philosophy change, and it's so far so good. And you know, the one thing they
0: weren't doing earlier in the year, forcing turnovers, they now did that. Three of them on Saturday. Granted, one you know in special teams, but but still. While on the other side, continuing to protect the ball, you know, Alan Bowman's not feeling great about coming in for a snap and ending Michigan's streak of, of not turning it over by throwing an interception. Uh, so that
1: that's, I'm sure yeah. he'll talk about that on his podcast too. <laughs> if, 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 if any of our listeners haven't listened to Bowman and Valari's podcast? I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a funny listen,
0: almost as entertaining as this one.
1: Almost, almost, almost.
0: yeah. So now again, Michigan is five and zero, and this was you know, if Washington was the initial preseason kind of stumbling block, potentially this one was, this one was a major hurdle and Michigan clears it with ease. And now they're five and zero going to a Nebraska team that is playing better of late, certainly uh, just absolutely demolished Northwestern on Saturday night, but, you know, still uncompetitive in other, in other games this season. So, you know, and then, and then, you know, Northwestern and a bye, like, we're looking at potentially now 7-0 and showdown with with maybe an undefeated Michigan State, too. I just wonder, you know, how this win changes your perception of what this team can do, because it's, it's certainly changed mine.
1: I'm glad you asked this because I was thinking about it on the the plane ride home earlier today. You know, I'm assuming the Michigan win Saturday, Nebraska can go 6-0 in the bye week. I guess that's assuming, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. It is going to be a road game. In Nebraska, Spread smaller than I would have thought. I
2: can't believe their mission's only favored by a point. Like, what?
1: <laughs> well, it's up to three now. But is it, it up is, to three? Right. It's, it's still a low number. It's lower than I maybe expected it yeah, to be. Yeah. But, you know, I'm anticipating Michigan wins on Saturday just based on what everything we've seen. They have shown that they can go on the road and win a big game. So that tells me they should be able to win Saturday in Lincoln. So assuming they come out of that game with a victory and the bye at 6-0... and it's a very realistic possibility they at least should split the, the back half you know you've got games a home game against uh, Northwestern you got a road game at Maryland, which would be difficult but I think they still could should be able to win that game. and then Indiana who has been a, you know a disaster this year has been you know the, I think the biggest one of the biggest surprises of the big 10 for maybe from a, from a from a dropping standpoint. but like I think right now a, a realistic final record here is that nine wins I think Michigan is looking at a nine win season right now at the very least and if they come out and surprise some folks when Michigan State I mean you're looking at potential 10 win season I know it's probably I know some fans don't want to hear that or like they're like you know hesitant about that or whatever but I think they I, this, like to hear it yeah <laughs> this team is a, I'll say it this team is a lot better than I thought they would be on right. both sides of the ball especially defensively they are miles ahead of where I expected them to be at this point and that's one of the reasons why I think they're 5 and 0 the the offense you know you know you can talk all you want about the passing game but they they've done the job um, they haven't been great, but they they've done the job, and the defense is the one that's I think surprising to folks. So right now, I, I think you look at nine and three, maybe ten and two, maybe more.
2: Did we we all had seven and five as our season predictions? Yeah, you know I don't need to you know
0: hammer that home, <laughs> but yeah, the point is I don't know if these sports sites um, update you know week by week you know win totals or whatever. Right? I don't don't think they do really, but yeah, you know, seven and a half, like before the season essentially. And now I'm just, I'm wondering what it would be nine and a half. I mean, 10 and a half potentially. I mean, it's not crazy because again, like you said, this Nebraska game they will be favored. They are Northwestern heavy favorites. Okay. You've got Indiana and even at Maryland, you know, favorite as, as of now, I mean, that leaves, you know, three games against currently ranked teams, you know, at Michigan state at Penn state and Ohio state, like dropping all three of those would, would move you to nine and three, but you just got to get one to to get to 10 wins. It's just, and again, you know, Ohio state, you know, bounced back with that win over Rutgers and they're, they're the team to beat, you know, until, until, you know, otherwise until they, they, until they lose in the big, uh, in the big 10, but, you know, they look more vulnerable. It was discussed for the final few minutes of this, of the broadcast on, on Saturday between Michigan and Wisconsin, how Michigan looks more equipped to handle Ohio state speed and athleticism. Like, yeah, I, I just think you can start, can start really dreaming big with this Michigan team, but a lot, a lot does fall on Cade McNamara, like you guys said.
2: Did you guys see the Ohio State absolutely routing Rutgers on Saturday? I, I did not see that coming <laughs> at all. I thought um, the Ohio yeah. State would win, but to to store, what forty something points in the first first half against Rutgers, I was like, wow, oh.
1: I know the win. Excuse me. I know they're lost to Oregon. Doesn't look great now, especially after Oregon's loss to Stanford on Saturday. And I said this last week. I'm not ready to write off Ohio State. I, I think uh, the odds, the odds makers, still have them as the as the favorite to win the Big Ten. I still think they probably have the best offense, just from a talent standpoint. They got two of the best receivers in the country. They can get the quarterback situation figured out, and it looks like they they they, they, they look they good they on have. Saturday. Yeah, I, I still think they're the team to beat. Now, I, they're not the Ohio State of the last couple of years, I don't think. Their defense is certainly, you know, suspect at times. But I think the Big Ten, I wrote this, I think, to some degree on Saturday for, on MLive. But, like, I think the Big Ten East is wide open right now. And you said it a couple of weeks ago, Andrew. I, I thought it was a little premature at that point. And I still think it kind of is. But we've seen enough of Penn State. We've seen enough of Ohio State. We've seen enough of Michigan. Heck, and even Michigan State to say, you know, I think any one of these teams could be any one of the other ones on any given night. And that to me makes you know the, the second half of this season so fascinating. And I think this Saturday, I think was it Penn State's playing Iowa? I think yeah. that's yep. that's gonna be a fun game too. Absolutely. I, I, I like Iowa too.
0: Ooh. Yeah, I mean
1: that's the big, you know, they're they're on
0: the, the West this year and they're you know, they're they're rolling. They look like the best team right now in, in the in the Big Ten. But yeah, I mean, Michigan's the Michigan's intra conference schedule looks looks easier now than it did before the season with Wisconsin. You know, kind of uh, falling flat, and you know Nebraska not not doing too much, and then Northwestern, like yeah, that those are three teams at the bottom of the standings right now, at least. Like you avoided, uh, you avoided Iowa, which is which is the tough one this year. So yeah, that'll be that'll be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. But again, I think it, I think the perspective does change. Now, is Cade McNamara a quarterback? Aaron, you were saying like he's not going to necessarily win you the game. Is the gap with Ohio State still big enough? That you need a quarterback to win you the game. Like, do they need JJ McCarthy might not be ready by the end of this year anyway, but you know, next year, year after that, like, is that the quarterback you need eventually someone with his ceiling to beat him? Or, you know, is the gap small enough now that you just need a, you need McNamara to just be at his best, but his best is good enough to beat Ohio state. I mean, I think it's still too early to answer that question, but you know, before the season, like the answer was no, but
1: if Michigan keeps showing what they do defensively, like like they did on Saturday against Wisconsin, I I think their defense is good enough to keep them in many of these games. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to the offense to where they can't turn the ball over. They have to be uh, efficient and productive with their drives where I I think the gap has, has closed. Like I said, I don't think Cade's going to go out there and win you a game with his arm, but I think he's good enough of a game manager. And that's not, that's not a knock on him. That's a title the coaches have kind of given him to where, I think Michigan's in a position to beat any Big Ten team this year. I, I think they, they could very well go in Happy Valley and win that Penn State game. Doesn't mean they're going to. I'm, you know, we'll see here. Penn State's looked very good. You know, and we talked about this before coming into the year. I had three games. I automatically wrote Michigan off. Wisconsin nice. being the first, Penn State on the road again, and the Ohio State game. Now I think they can win. You know, we saw Wisconsin Saturday, but now I think they could absolutely beat Penn State or Ohio State. Now, will they? We'll see. But you know, you gotta you gotta like what you've seen so far through five weeks from this Michigan team.
0: They're they're doing the you know, the little things as sometimes we call them well too. I mean, we didn't mention Jake Moody yet. Guy goes three for three on field goals. He's now eight of nine on the year, he's got a you know fifty two yarder, he's got a couple, you know, forty plus, you know, he's he's perfect from from inside that. The punting Brad Robbins has been has been strong. You know, they got a they're turnover healthy. on that, you know, the, like, yeah, aside uh,
1: from right, like Ronnie Ronnie Bell, Bell, there's yeah. like no injuries. It's been amazing. Exactly. There's there's a lot
0: of things that are going going right for, for this team and this program right now. A lot of good a lot of good vibes. And uh yeah, that's uh that was one way to, you know, and and the the long losing streak in Madison just in, in emphatic fashion. Yeah, with that with that victory on Saturday. Any more thoughts from, from that game that we didn't mention a specific player or player or something that stood out. I'll just drop one. There was a run Blake Coram had where the safety came in like a missile and they just Collided. Like,
2: I, I think it was in the second quarter. I'm surprised Blake Quorum got back out there r- r- relatively quickly. It sounded yeah, that, like he went in the medical tempo. like it just it stopped dead in his tracks. Yeah, I was, both that was too. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah, like both Ooh, players.
0: Boy. Yep. I mean, that was that was a harder impact. I'd say you know collision, more G-force or whatever you want to call it than uh, than the hit that knocked out
1: Mertz, and that was something. So this is one play that stood out to me. But any, anything else? I, I thought the moment in between the end of the 3rd and beginning of the 4th quarter I don't know if TV caught it obviously with all over social media the jump around thing at Camp Randall like they always do it I mean it's done before every game the Wisconsin bench wasn't doing anything they weren't participating they were down you can tell they were upset and mad whatever whatever term you want to use michigan it was like a it was like a dance party out there that was i thought that moment was very emblematic of michigan start like they are confident they're a confident group they're having fun they're loose i couldn't help but chuckle in the press box i'm like oh my like they're trying to hijack the whole jump around thing it was fun it was fun to watch
2: just my final thought is, are we going to be seeing more J.J. McCarthy on a regular basis now? Or is that just type of a one-off type of thing to a little change up from, from the Michigan coaching staff there to maybe catch the Wisconsin defense off guard?
0: Let me set up Aaron by saying this. I sent out in our message, you know, when it when it happened, I, w- I was like, what's going on here? Because initially, you know, when McCarthy starts the second half, you're like, "If he made a change? And then Aaron was like, I think it's more of like a run, you know, he, he's got better legs. He's in for certain, certain plays. Um, and then it became clear that was kind of the, that was like the plan. I, I don't know, Aaron, if you got more on that after the game or or what, but I think you're spot on.
1: Yeah. I asked Harbaugh the idea behind that. And that was basically it. You know, it sounds like they're using JJ as kind of another wrinkle to the run offense because it, I don't, I don't speak for the coach or anything, but it, it seems like they don't trust Cade with the, in, running the football. I don't think Cade's very quick to begin with. <laughs> right. uh, and, you know, so I think it just gives them another option. Obviously, we know J.J. can throw the ball. We've seen it, and you saw it Saturday. But when he's got the football and there's that threat of the, the run and the quarterback read option, I think it just it, it adds another dimension to Michigan's offense, especially if they're struggling to run the football against a good defense like Wisconsin. So I, I think it's a smart move. You'll see start seeing it more in the, in the coming weeks. Um, they they obviously waited to roll it out, but I, it sounds like that's the approach at this point. You know, it's been clear in talking to coaches the last couple of weeks. And I think Ryan I can vouch for this too, because we talked to Matt Weiss, the quarterbacks coach last week. But their dead son came back as the starter. You know, I, I think there, a lot would have to happen now for that to change, and then to start JJ. You know, but so far they're they're rolling with Kade. They like what they have, and they're gonna they're gonna use JJ obviously on on occasions in, in certain instances. Um, but he certainly gives them another added dimension in their run game.
0: Well said. It's not like it's a Wildcat situation where the other team knows it's a run. I mean, he's a perfectly capable passer. I think the JJ fans would say, yeah, he's actually a better passer, too, than the starter. But that remains to be seen. Um, I don't think you don't make a change just because things are going well. You should always be looking to improve. But, yeah, McNamara's played played well, I think. And, you know, the the no turnovers is is huge. So, yeah, take away that, that second half against Rutgers. And this team has looked really, really good on both sides of the ball and all phases of the game almost halfway through the season now. We'll remind you here before we wrap up that we have a voicemail line that you can call. Leave us a message about the podcast, about Michigan athletics. Uh, Michigan you know, basketball practices started too, if you want to ask about that. We got Big Ten Media Day coming up this week as well. So I'll start to get into more of that content. But 616-222-1022, that's 616-222-1022. Just say the folks from the Wolverine Confidential Podcast sent you and uh, yeah, drop us a
1: message. Feel free to vent about our predictions, too. I got a couple of emails <laughs> from fans, that, you know, like poking it in my eye that I picked them to lose on Saturday. Well, you know, like I told them, I'm not going to get every game right. You know, right. It's one of the-
0: One may have been from my own father. Anyway, yes. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And stay tuned for more coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening and watching.